Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Go to Acts 13. Acts 13 for a second. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 13. If you look at verse 21, the Apostle Paul, I think he's still Saul at this time, is uh, teaching and preaching. This is Acts 13, 21. He's recounting some history in Israel, and he says these words. This is Acts 13, 21. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for, Acts 13, 21, for 40 years. That number 40 keeps coming up in our Bible. After he had removed him, God removed Saul, Acts 13.22. He raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do how much? All my will. If you want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart, there's the definition of it. A man or a woman after God's own heart does how much? All of his will. There's the definition right in the text. From the offspring of this man, that's David, according to the promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and from the line of David, back to 1 Samuel 31, comes the greater David, the Messiah Jesus. You remember the two blind men? They hear Jesus is passing. What do they say? Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David. And do you remember? They're getting shushed by people. Shh, quiet. And they cried out all the louder. Son of David, have mercy. And Jesus approached. What do you want me to do for you? Well, Lord, isn't it obvious? (laughs) I want my sight. And the Lord touched them. And Jesus was called Son of David in his ministry. Even when he came in in the triumphal entry, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and they were calling him Son of David, Son of David, Son of David, the ultimate leader, Jesus Christ. Saul, not a great leader. Proverbs 29 says, A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice, but when a wicked man rules, people groan. This is Proverbs 29, 1 through 4. A man who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but he who keeps company with harlots wastes his wealth. The king gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it. Saul was reproved by Samuel, but he hardened his heart. And he hardened his heart. A wise man may get reproved, but you need to look at your heart. David said, Lord, look inside me. If there's any wicked way in me, then lead me in the everlasting way. A good leader is able to look at themselves, to look at their heart. It's not easy sometimes to look at yourself. It's easier to cast blame on others and say it's their problem. It's what's going on in their heart. You know, they really need to look at themselves. But sometimes when we're doing that, you've heard the old thing about the pointer, right? How many are pointing back at you? At least three, (laughs) right? 
That's kind of the way it works in the spiritual life. And so now David is going to begin to emerge, but before David emerges, uh, the death of the king. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, I want you to notice David's response to the death of Saul. Just a few pages to your right. 2 Samuel 1 verse 17. When David found out about the death of Saul, you could think on one hand he might be rejoicing. After all, how many problems did he have because of this guy? You know, he could have broken the song. You know, ding dong, the king is dead. (laughs) Or something like that. Sorry, too many times watching that movie, but he didn't. In fact, he taught a lament, uh, kind of a, it's, it's, it's now talked about as kind of a chant, that he sang in response to the news. This is 2 Samuel 1.17. Then David chanted with this lament over Saul and Jonathan his son. And he told them, to, the people, to teach the sons of Judah the song of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. The book of Jasher is equivalent to a hero book, uh, sometimes known in the Syriac version as the book of Canticles. It appears to be a book that recorded heroes and songs about heroes in this particular book. Notice what he says. Your beauty, verse 19, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How have the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. 21. O mountains of Gilboa, let not dew or rain be on you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and pleasant in their life, and in their death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothe you luxuriously in scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How have the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? Jonathan is slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. This is a wonderful friendship, brotherly love that they had. How have the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? You know, uh, the Bible tells us, if you go back to 1 Samuel 31, that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And even though... David could have struggled for good things to say about Saul. I want you to notice that in the song, he says good things about Saul. He reminds people that Saul wasn't all bad. And how we appreciate it when people don't just nitpick at our weaknesses, you know. How we appreciate it when sometimes we get sideways in a situation and and we know we've been wrong and, and someone says, you know what? They treat us with grace instead of putting it in our face. And the way that we want to be treated when we get sideways is the way we should treat other people, especially people that we love and trust and been around for a while. Taking the high road, giving the benefit of the doubt. That's what David does here. Even though, man, think of how many reasons he had 
to speak poorly of Saul. Well, the battle, 1 Samuel 31.3, went heavily against Saul. The archers hid him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Uh, One version says he was greatly distressed by reason of the archers. Either way, Saul is hit, and he's hit mortally. Badly wounded is Saul. And Saul said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword, 31.4, and pierce me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and pierce me through and make sport of me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. So Saul, sadly, took his sword and fell on it. The battle got hot. The archers were approaching the king and his sons, as we just read. And Saul has now been hit and probably hit multiple times. And he knows he's dying. And at this point, you know, he knew the prophecy that was in the back of his mind. But now he's been mortally wounded. And now he says, you know what? I don't want the Philistines to come and abuse me, is what he's saying to his armor bearer. There's some irony here. Because in 1 Samuel 16, 21, you know who used to be Saul's armor bearer? David was. David was Saul's armor bearer for a time. And I wonder if in those moments when Saul asked his now new armor bearer to kill him, if Saul may have had a flashback on his life. You know how sometimes they say when somebody's dying, you begin to replay major moments in your life. I wonder if Saul went back and knew he was in in the throes of death and started thinking about a young man who never had done him wrong. A young man that even when Saul was trying to kill him said, Father, what have I done? King, what have I done for you to treat me this way? A man that had he left around probably would not be in the position he was We all put it under God's sovereignty. But David destroyed the Philistines every single time. He was the greatest warrior in Israel. And Saul, through his jealousy and hatred and rage and craziness and disobedience and whatever other words you want to add to it, pushed his most faithful servant away from himself. What a tragic mistake. And I wonder if in those dying moments, he thought back and said, what have I done? The man that should have been standing here at my side, the great warrior, the faithful servant who had killed his ten thousands, is not here. You see, sometimes because of jealousy, envy, and stupidity, just to be blunt, we push people away that may be our greatest advocates. And those are mistakes that we can all make. Saul had made that mistake. Now he's in, you know, he's on his deathbed. That's that's the time when we sometimes revisit things, right? We don't worry about, you know, did I have an extra couple hours at the office when we're on our deathbed? Believe me, I've been at a lot of deathbeds, and I can tell you this, people are not worried about how many golf games they played or how many uh, things they created in the office. They're worried about their relationship with God, what kind of impact they had on people, and whether or not they're really going to heaven. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Uh, One man who I knew well through Bible studies uh, whispered to me through a breathing machine, I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have done more. I'll tell you, my passion 
is while I have breath in my lungs, if the Lord gives me a decade or two or three or four more, I'm going to try to exploit those for His good purposes. Amen? That's what we should be doing. But here's Saul. He admitted earlier in the book, I have played the fool, I have erred exceedingly. That's a bad testimony. And he didn't correct it. And Saul says, please pierce me through to his armor bearer. But his armor bearer, when he saw that Saul, uh, excuse me, uh, let's go back to verse uh, 4, second half. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. So Saul took his sword and fell on it. I don't know the, the origin of the fear of the armor bearer, but he may have just didn't want you know, to touch God's anointed. He may have felt responsible for Saul's life. I don't know all the reasons. But when his armor bearer, verse 5, saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. Tragedy in numbers. The slain all over Mount Gilboa. And now the king has fallen on his sword and the armor bearer has done so too. You know, there's a metaphor that comes from this idea of falling on your sword. You've probably heard it before. It's a metaphorical statement that when one falls on their sword, they basically decide that they're going to take ownership for a situation. Uh, To fall on your sword means I'm going to apologize for something. I'm going to admit that I was wrong. I'm going to say I'm going to own my part. I'm going to fall on my sword. It's a metaphor for taking ownership, for, think of it this way, dying to self. It's hard sometimes when we have to admit that we were wrong, isn't it? Maybe a a sword is a great image for it because you have to die. (laughs) How many of you remember the show Happy Days with the Fawns? Praise God. You guys remember that? (laughs) The Fawns could never say I'm sorry. He could never get it out. It's hard to fall on your sword. But if Saul would have fallen on his sword metaphorically, maybe he wouldn't have had to fall on his sword literally. Hmm. And now here he is, right? And the armor bearer watches the king take himself, and now he also falls on his sword. Turn just right back to 2 Samuel chapter 1. Let me comment, because I think it's in some of your minds. Oh, here it is, 2 Samuel 1. Suicide in the Bible. And it's true. It's here. And it raises questions in people's minds. About, you know, you've heard some people say, if you commit suicide, that is a unforgivable sin. And to be just completely blunt with you, that's wrong. There are no unforgivable sins except the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is to reject Jesus Christ, really, and that He is the Messiah of God and receive Him into your life. If someone is going to take their life, they've got to be at a really low spot. And some people are not stable, and something happens to them. Look, I'm not, I'm not here to justify anything, but I'll say this. We ought to never come to quick conclusions about what we think we know 
about someone's destiny. You and I are not the ones who determine where someone ends up. That's God's business. In fact, of all the things the Bible says to judge, the one thing that we cannot be the judge on is someone's eternal destiny. We can have a pretty good idea. We can say to someone, I say it all the time, if you don't repent, you're going to end up under the judgment of God. You'll end up in hell if you don't repent. But I don't determine that. I'm a messenger of the good news of the gospel. I tell the bad news so I can get to the good news. But suicide does not mean that someone's not with the Lord. We've had some cases where people that we've known and they had a Christian testimony and something happened. I'm not the judge. I'm not claiming to be the judge, but I'm just saying let's be careful because we do have some things that occur in the Bible. The armor bearer, we don't know much about him. We don't know what his condition was before the Lord. We do know Saul knew the Lord at one time. Then an evil spirit came into his life. All kinds of debate and conjecture about where is Saul today, but we don't know. Even Solomon's life ended poorly. He started well, but he made huge mistakes at the end of his life. We never use grace as justification for sin, but we've got to be careful as people that we don't sweep in and start making judgments on people about things that we don't know. We just don't know. God is a God of grace. And so that's where I try to rest in things that I don't know. And I will tell you this. Um, this is just from a preacher's heart. I have been invited to many services and I've presided over them as a pastor and I did not know the spiritual condition of the person who was dead. And I decided, and this was from some counsel from other pastors, I would not make commentary on someone who I didn't know where they ended up. My job there was to preach the good news to those who were still alive and could make a decision. So sometimes we think we need to say something when we don't. I couldn't make commentary on that person. I might have a good idea, but I still don't know for sure. So what I do is preach the good news to those who still have breath in their lungs and can decide for Christ. Amen? I think that's a wise thing to do. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, we don't know for sure if Saul really killed himself, and here's why. This is 2 Samuel 1. Um, there's a young man that comes from the battlefield. Skip down to verse 3. David said to him, from where do you come? And he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. And David said to him, well, how did things go? Please tell me. And he said, the people have fled from the battle. Also, many of the people have fallen and are dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. This is verse 5. So David said to the young man who told him, how do you know that Saul and his son, Jonathan, are dead? He, he really almost couldn't believe it. He wanted to confirm it. And the young man who told him said, By chance I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and behold, Saul was leaning on his spear. And behold, the chariots and the horsemen pursued him closely. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me and said, and I said, Here I am, verse 8. He said to me, Who are you? And I answered him, I'm an Amalekite. And he said to me, Please stand beside me and kill me, for agony has seized me, because my life still lingers in me. So I stood behind him and killed him because I knew that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown which was on his head and the bracelet which was on his arm and I brought them here to my Lord. Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them. 
And so also did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the people of the Lord and the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. And I'll just tell you that commentators say, one, maybe the Amalekite lied and Saul really did kill himself. Second view is, no, he told the truth and Saul fell on his sword but didn't quite finish the job and his life still lingered in him and the Amalekite came by and finished the job. That's where a lot of scholars uh, lean. Uh, I'll tell you this, if the Amalekite was lying, it was a very bad career move because he's killed in a few verses by David for killing God's anointed. I'll let you wrestle with that one. But there's an irony here. If you go back to 1 Samuel 31, here's the irony. If it's true, guess who killed Saul ultimately? Not suicide. Who killed him? An Amalekite. And Saul's sin was not killing the Amalekite king and leaving you know, the job undone, if you will, and making excuses for it And isn't it ironic that who ends up killing Saul? An Amalekite. Here's the lesson. If God tells you to deal with something in your life and you partially obey. You know, Jesus said if your hand causes you to sin, do what? Cut it off. I don't know. Maybe we'll start with a finger. (laughs) Now, you all know he is not speaking literally. He is saying take radical measures with things that are causing you to stumble. God told Saul, take out the Amalekites. God had his reasons. Saul did not obey. The irony is very clear. We have our reasons for partial obedience. Oh God, I don't know. Should I really take it that far? And sometimes it comes back to bite us. God forbid if it comes back to be our demise. I'm going to say this to you because I think you all know this. There are people in our world who have been in Christian churches, sat under Bible teaching, been in the church, had a testimony, served in a ministry, went back to their old life and perished in that old life. It became their demise because of partial obedience. It's a serious thing. Well, Saul, his three sons, back in 1 Samuel 31, armor-bearer, all of them, verse 6, they die together. On that day, they all died together. Disobedience, sin, and now people are dead. And when the men of Israel, verse 7, who were on the other side of the valley with those who were beyond the Jordan, saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned the cities and fled And then the Philistines came and lived in them. So the Philistines won. The people who were on the other side uh, of the valley, when they saw what was going on beyond the Jordan, they became refugees of war. They didn't want to stick around. They decided they were not going to guard their property. They were not going to try to fight for their houses or their possessions. And they bailed from the cities. And the cities uh, would include Issachar, the areas of Issachar and Manasseh. And the Philistines came and took over. It's almost reminiscent of what has happened in Europe with uh, church buildings that are now being used for other purposes. The church is gone. Things are being sold from those buildings. They're empty cathedrals. Nobody in them anymore. 
In fact, some of them are being filled by atheist churches. You know that? That's a new phenomenon now. Atheist churches. They get together, they sing a few songs, they have a speaker, they have donuts, just like us. They copy everything we do, which is kind of funny, isn't it? They just have one thing missing, God. (laughs) Hi everybody, this is Cameron Thomas here, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Michael, and we're about to embark on a new adventure for Living Truth Radio. It's not going to replace the program that you're listening to right now, it's actually in addition to what you're listening to. So, Pastor Michael, what's this new adventure that we're embarking on? The new adventure is called The Bible Answer Show, Cameron, and it is a show to get questions from our listening audience and to give them answers. The tagline is, you've got questions, we've got answers. At least we hope to have all the answers, Cameron. And so it's a live interaction show, Q&A style. When can people listen to this new show? This show is going to be on from 12 to 1 Pacific time every Friday. So that's the time, 12 to 1 Pacific time on Fridays. And how can people access this? There's a number of ways to access it, Cameron, and the hub of it all is livingtruthradio.org. That's our website. And I'm hoping that our listening audience has already been there, livingtruthradio.org. And there they'll be able to find out all the different ways to interact with the Bible Answer Show. And the different vehicles are Facebook Live, live YouTube channel. We'll have podcasting where they can go back and listen to the show later. And they can even email questions to us at Answers at livingtruthradio.org. That's answers at livingtruthradio.org. Awesome. So make sure you guys get those questions into us because otherwise we're trying to guess what questions you have and we're not mind readers. So get those questions into us so we can answer them for you on Fridays. Pastor Michael, anything? Last thoughts? Well, you're kind of the Facebook guy, Cameron, and I was thinking when people go to Facebook Live and they, they have to like the Bible Answer Show, right? So tell them about how to like it, and then how to get their questions. You have to go to facebook.com slash Bible Answer Show. There's no the, just Bible Answer Show. And you like the page, and if you follow us on Facebook Live on Fridays, you can actually ask your questions there. That's the only real live format that you can ask your questions. Otherwise, you have to email them in. And when they do that, they'll be able to interact with us live and get their questions answered right there on the spot. So that's, it's going to be great, Cameron, and we're really excited. And hey, I just want to tell you guys, keep us in prayer on the Bible Answer Show. We're adding this as a new show. We know you have questions, and you may have friends, family members have questions. They may live in other states or even another country. Tell them about the show. Keep us in prayer. And join us this Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Bible Answer Show. Can't wait to be with you guys. On behalf of Living Truth Radio and Pastor Michael Lance, blessings to you all. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.